you're listening to The Itch, Rock Matters, and we are doing episode nine, Red, White, and Foo. My name is Casey. My name is Dan. And I'm Aaron. And so, yeah, this is the Celebrate America episode. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Patriotism is a complicated subject for The Itch, especially right now. It's a complicated subject for a lot of people. But there are things that we can agree on, which is that for the most part, there are some pretty good songs and bands and albums out there that exist that have our country's colors in them. And so I think we're going to have a little bit of fun with that. We do have some decent colors for a country, red, white, and blue. We do. <laughs> a lot of other countries use that, those same colors. And so. In different ways. Ours is better. Ours. <laughs> <laughs> This is one way in which Dan will declare America's superiority. We are the best at using red, white, and blue, apparently. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I'll take that. I can work with that. It ain't a bad flag, that's for sure. No, it could be a lot worse. Could be a lot worse. (laughs) Oh, by the by, um, this is a total side note, but since this is a St. Louis-based show, St. Louis has one of the best city flags in the country. Not red, white, and blue per se, but definitely awesome. There you go. Has a lot of meaning behind it, too. Yes, that as well. That's just a shout out to St. Louis because we love St. Louis. But anyway, red, white, and blue. That's what we're doing this week. We're going to celebrate the 4th of July in in our own special little way and hopefully bring a little bit of lightheartedness to a a tense time and some celebration to a, a celebratory time. Also, we just passed it. Happy Juneteenth as well. Yes. We're going to factor that in. I think that I think that that kind of is a bookend to this whole thing. You can start with Juneteenth and go to the 4th of July. A lot of American history happening. If you don't know what Juneteenth is or what it represents, then you need to look it up. And honestly, that's one thing that this whole thing has taught me is, is that I do not know anything about the history of this country. And just reading further into certain things, you know, they say that like there's, I guess, a current urban term called woke. You know, and that's like if you know, yeah. kind of basically understand what's going on a little bit more. I can't even like begin to fathom how much I've missed out on like learning different things in history, uh, whether it's cultural or just atrocities that have just gone by the wayside because of uh, the propaganda that we're taught, I guess. Yeah. So if just my point is just look it up if you don't know anything about anything. I agree. There's a lot of stuff that I had not the slightest clue about, and I'm starting to include in a little bit to, to more of it. And um, America is a complex country. We'll put it that way. Very. We can be proud to be American and a little bit ashamed to be American at the same time. <laughs> that's the best way to put it. I, I really like that you said that. <laughs> I think that's a valid uh, tension to hold. But again, one thing we can't agree on is those colors. <laughs> <laughs> awesome colors. The awesome colors. We have divided this task up to each other. And what we're going to present now is a game called Red, White, and Blue, in which we have each been given one of the colors of our flag and tasked with coming up with our top three artist albums and songs that include that color somewhere in the title. This was not as easy a task as I had hoped it would be, especially for me who who drew red. I shouldn't say that. We, I didn't. It wasn't like we picked straws. We, <laughs> <laughs> we consciously decided who was going to do what, but <laughs> that's insider information right there. <laughs> Here's what I got for you guys. Here's my top three rock songs that I could come up with or think of that had the word red in them. 
Number three, I'm actually going to go with a tie. And this one's a little bit of a bone to you guys because um, I was a fan of Fort Minor, which was Mike Shinoda's side project from Lincoln Park a number of years ago. And they have a track called Red to Black. There was, um, it was it was a heartbreaking track and it was pretty good stuff, but it doesn't quite fit into rock. And so I'm supplementing that by tying it up with Breaking Benjamin's Red Cold River, which I thought you guys would probably go for a little bit as well. Nice. Yeah, it's a great song. Number two on my top three tracks. You guys probably remember this. We'll call them a one hit wonder, or at the very least, we'll say this was their biggest hit. Unwritten Law with Seeing Red. All right. Y'all remember that one? Yeah. Now, when you say Unwritten Law, are, are you do you like the band? Are you saying that you like because I don't I didn't think I've ever known this about you. I'm saying that the pickings were slim. <laughs> okay. <laughs> have you ever seen Unwritten Law live? I have not. You probably don't want to. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, those poor guys. I, as much as a fan as I was of their music, I saw them live and they're, well, maybe they've changed. Maybe it was just that one particular show. I don't know, but that particular show, they were terrible. <laughs> Oh man! Sorry, not to. Maybe that explains why they haven't had a, a bigger song since two thousand and two. Exactly. Not to not to rub on you know your your favorite their red song, but I'm sorry. I just, just... <laughs> <laughs> I should note that that again. This isn't me fully endorsing these. This is me choosing from what I had to okay. try to come up with the best that I could. And I think it takes a huge step up with number one, which you guys surely could guess the top song with the word red in it that the itch has played which was Chevelle. Yeah. Which yeah. is The Red from Wonder What's Next, which is the song that launched them into stardom. And to this day remains one of my favorite songs about just anger. And so it, does, it was a pretty easy choice for number one. The others are a very distant second and third slash fourth. Now, it's a shame that you can't go by like lyrics in a song because if that were my color, it's not a name of the song, but one of the first things that comes to mind is a lyric. Roxanne, you don't have to put on that red light. <laughs> oh, okay. I was thinking the same thing. Or maybe you didn't see this one, but there is a, and we were talking about this band last week, a Limp Bizkit song featuring Snoop Dogg called Red Light, Green Light. Oh, okay. Again. Yeah. See, there you go. Not a bad song. <laughs> Snoop Dogg's the reason why that song is actually somewhat decent. And you can tell that he just basically was like told, here, can you just lay down a track? And he went in there and just laid down whatever he wanted to and then walked out of the studio. <laughs> right. I feel like that's how Snoop Dogg lives his whole life. Someone's like, hey, you want to do this? And he's like, yup. And then he yeah. does it in like five minutes and it's cool and everybody likes it. And then he just goes about his day. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I think everything that he does, he probably just does it one time. That's all he needs to do. And yeah, he's done. Moves on. People, he's so chill and people like him so much that they, they're like, that's fine. It's good. And and he's talented. So, I mean, he can get away with it. Exactly. He's probably guest starred on a million tracks. Yeah. So, you know what? As much as I don't want to give Limp Biscuit too much credit here, especially since this is now the second week in a row we've mentioned them, which I did not <laughs> see coming when we started this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> I'll go ahead and put that in there maybe as number three. I don't Ooh. want to give it above Unwritten Law because they probably made a lot of money <laughs> off of that track. And so they, I need to leave them have their moment to shine. I'll give you that. We'll, we'll put that in there. And if it were just based on having the color in the lyrics as well, then Roxanne gets probably bumped up to number one. I mean, yeah. it's one of the most famous lyrics, I'd say, that everybody knows when you say like right. red light. 
Right. That's, that's one of the things that comes to mind. Yeah. I'll throw in two other ones that you missed. Uh, Little Red Corvette by Prince and 99 Red Balloons. Ooh. Oh my gosh, you got me on 99 Red Balloons. I cannot believe I forgot that one. <laughs> it's not because I'm a giant Nina fan, but I, I am a Goldfinger fan. And their cover of 99 Red Balloons is wonderful. So now my list is adjusted again because you got me. <laughs> and that's about even factoring in Prince, who I'm now I feel bad about not including him. But you're like, how do you not include Prince? Because 99 Red Balloons has to has to be number two after Chevelle. You know what? Just let's, let's make those three. We'll go ahead and give Prince all that. <laughs> I'm not that married to Limp Biscuit, Fort Minor, or Breaking Benjamin, or Unwritten Law. Casey wins. Casey wins. You've done my list for me. <laughs> I'm going to get you on the white stuff. I'm going to get you on the white songs. I've got those. <laughs> now let's see what Casey has for this one, because I was also tasked with coming up with three red albums. and. Technically speaking, I came up with zero red albums. Yeah. Uh, I tried to help you out with that and I failed as well. There's a band. So there's, I mean, there's like technically six red albums, but it's the band red. <laughs> <laughs> Which we'll come back to stealing more of my thunder here. Uh, <laughs> but uh, technically, um, because another band that comes up more than we probably would have expected, Weezer has a bunch of albums that are different colors that are technically just called Weezer. Yes. And one of those happens to be the red album, which featured pork and beans and the greatest man that ever lived and a number of other pretty sweet songs and a number of other pretty hideous songs as Weezer albums often do. And so by default of me not finding an official nope. album don't, with don't the declare word it. in it. Nope. Don't declare I have it. to. I, nope. I found, I found three actually. This guy over here. All right, what do you have for me? And actually, I'll go in order that I agree with this. So the first one I'll just throw out there is Janice with Red Right Return. It's their debut album with Eyesore. Okay. So, yeah, not a big one, obviously. Not a big one. Not not going to top your Red album. I, I'll agree with that one. I'm, I'm not, not knocking Janice, but that's not a huge one. But yeah, go ahead. Exactly. <laughs> the next one, though, this one, I don't know. This one's kind of a toss-up. So there's Shaman Harvest with Red Hands, Black Deeds. There you go. I like that album title. Oh, it's a great album, too. I don't know Shaman's Harvest very well, but but that's a great title. I think that this, other than the song Dragonfly, I think this album in particular was their breakout album. Kind of put them out hmm. on the big, on the main course. And one of the bands that we've mentioned before, for each kind of favorite band, just because they're workhorses is non-point the poison red. Yeah. See, I haven't kept up with my, my newer non-point albums. So because this is still my, my list, I'm still going with Weezer's red album as my favorite of those, but I'll give you want to throw those out there. Yeah. I'll give you non-point in number two. Again, I haven't heard the album, but I've heard enough non-point to give them a spot and the others, uh, Janice and shaman's harvest that <laughs> again, it's, it's a slim pickings tie for three on that. Now I have to choose the top three bands with the word red in their title. And if you guys nail me on this oh. one, I, I don't know. I'm going to regret creating this, this whole idea. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so I've got, I've got one and I'll, I'll let you guys be the judge. We'll do this. It'll be Scrabble rules. You know how sometimes in Scrabble you can play a word and uh, a triple word score. <laughs> no, it may be bogus, <laughs> but if nobody challenges it, you can sneak it through. Yeah. Well, I'm going to see if you guys want to challenge this. So. I'm going to throw in Skindred, the Itch's favorite band, in there because the word red technically isn't in it, but the letters R-E-D are in their name. Correct. I'll accept it. All right. 
I just I wanted to. I was like, this one's a little loophole-y, but I'm gonna go with it. They're actually my number number two. Um, going back to number three, the reason I, I put Skindred at number two and then moved on was because if they were vetoed, I have a backup for number four. We're just gonna go ahead and let Red slide in there because they were our flavor. We have expressed an interest in them, but I want to give I want to give an honorable mention on this one before Casey gets to it for me, which is <laughs> August Burns Red. Yep. which has provided a number of wonderful Christmas songs for us over the years to play on the show. I got to give them a shout out, even if they don't quite make the top. And the number one, maybe you guys can prove me wrong on this one, but I feel like this one is pretty undeniable. The Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yes. Yeah. I don't know that you're going to find a rock band that surpasses them of most colors, really. Maybe we'll play a game with other colors some other day, but right now the Chili Peppers are going to be the kings of my red band list you mean red jumpsuit apparatus didn't make the list oh they're number 13 <laughs> <laughs> or red rider in the lunatic fringe is that a thing <laughs> yes classic rock band that's that's fun yeah i don't i don't honestly know those bands enough that i would have counted them anyway you guys did the deep research on here just to see what you come up with so now now it's KC's turn, and, and we'll see if see if I can come up with anything that'll... Real quick, though, just before we get off the red, I, the one band that I would have mentioned if it was my list, mm-hmm. a band that me and KC really got into over the last couple of years, which which ended during quarantine, is a band called Red Sun Rising. That's true. And they, they just broke up. I don't even know why. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, they don't like each other very much because they're not a band anymore. Yeah. Very unfortunate. Yeah, exactly. Just wanted to throw that out there because they had two albums come out and me and Casey really got into them. We played them a lot on the radio show um, and had their most recent album, Thread, pretty high up on our list, our top 20 list of the year. Yeah, mid top 10. Yeah. Their album was called Thread? Yes. Yep. Oh, see, it even that even rhymes. Technically, the word red isn't in that because there's an A, but yeah. at least you have the rhyme. So that's not bad. They, they, they hit it on two levels there. Well, and then it's funny because their other album is called Polyester Zeal. So <laughs> Thread and Polyester, which. Yeah, that's a cool album title right there. Yeah, so RIP those guys. That's unfortunate that they are not a band now. And then just a little fun fact to your band Skin Dread had an album called Union Black. Uh, indeed. <laughs> indeed. <laughs> ah, Colors are everywhere, guys. Sorry, I just wanted to throw that out there. No, you're good. No, you got good it. Good stuff. You got it. So white, I had tons of choices. So I'm gonna just, I kind of have. Wonder why that is. You're right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw out a separate list here and just see what you guys take on it. Is I got obscure choice list of for song titles: "White Trash Millionaire" by Blackstone Cherry. Okay. "White Flag Warrior" by Flowbots, and "White Limo" by the Foo Fighters. All right. Uh, fun fact about. White Trash Millionaire, it's by, like you said, Blackstone Cherry, and it's off the album Between the Devil and the Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, that's our winner of the, of the cramming in the colors game. <laughs> oh, I got nothing that can top that. <laughs> yeah, you took my thunder. That was going to be on my list, but that's fine. You can you can have it. well it covers all three so there you go exactly it does (laughs) so for classic rock choices i have white rabbit by jefferson airplane white room by cream which is off color white 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you got cream in there. Uh. <laughs> and White Wedding by Billy Idol. Oh, that's a good one. I, I got one for you on that, on that realm. Okay. The Moody Blues. All right. <laughs> this one might take yours nice and white satin. Yep. <laughs> I got another double color. Yeah, that's a good one. White Wedding was a good choice. I was I was looking up some whites as well, and that was definitely in there for me. And White Limo. I'd forgotten about it, but that's a quality choice. I remember when White Limo came out, you know, I, <laughs> we're kind of tying into what we're going to talk about later, but I had kind of given up on the Foo Fighters. And like, you know, because their albums had just been kind of meh, and they came out with White Limo, and I was just like, whoa, it's, it's old, like kind of heavy, fast Foo Fighters. It was just a breath of fresh air. And it even went back to the vintage Foo Fighters making high quality music videos thing. Yes, agreed. <laughs> they've they've always had a gift for music videos, and the White Limo was a lot of fun. Yes, this is actually just for you, Aaron. I'm going to list four songs from Weird Al that have white in the title. Whoa! I got one white and nerdy. Yep. Stuck in the closet with Vanna White. I forgot that song existed. <laughs> <laughs> the white stuff. That's a song about Oreos. Yes. And the Angry White Boy Polka. The Angry White Boy Polka features a number of tracks that we have played on our show before. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Possibly even some that are on the Spotify playlist. So check that out. The Itch Rock Matters on Spotify. Um, <laughs> that's quality. And I really appreciate that. I like that Weird Al has become a recurring thread throughout our show. <laughs> <laughs> More of him, less Limp Biscuit going forward. <laughs> yeah, which that's that's a part of the Angry White Boy Polka. Mm-hmm. And speaking of Weird Al, which is weird that you said it, because I read a children's book of his to my child yesterday. He's, I don't know if you know this, but he's a writer too. Nice. Was that, did you, was it the one? Um, it's called When I Grow Up. Yeah, all the jobs, the crazy jobs that he could have when he, yes. it's <laughs> a wonderful awesome. book. And it rhymes, it's perfect, like Dean loves it. I'm super excited to hear about it. I'm also happy that, that Dean makes a lot of cameos in the show. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We have a lot of stories about Dan's kids going on in this podcast. And he's a big part of my life. So, and my wife. You know, <laughs> and Hannah's a big part, too. So they do make their way into our podcast as well. It's true. It's true. Jacoby, not so much. No, I'm kidding. No, nope, he's too young. <laughs> he doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, going back to what you were talking about, you know, this is obviously a touchy subject, especially when we're regarding color, but. Uh, one of my favorite songs about that is from an artist we actually mentioned a couple podcasts ago, and not in a positive light, but uh, regardless, Michael Jackson's Black or White song. Yes. Which uh, was a fantastic song. And at the time, you know, it meant a lot to a lot of people. Um, obviously, we didn't take it for its meaning and, and you know, and run with it. But uh, hopefully now we can learn from our mistakes and try to do better. Right. So that's pretty awesome. Is, is that Wrapping up your white stuff. <laughs> I'll go through real quick uh, albums. Okay. I, have. okay. I got one more song for you because I don't want this to go unsaid. Go ahead. Especially because we were talking about this band. Uh, I think I know what you're talking air. about. I know what you're talking about. Go to say it. You do? Yeah, I think so. The Offspring? <laughs> yep. I knew it. <laughs> Pretty Fly for a White Guy, which Weird Al later parodied. Yes. So now we've got more Al. Yes. Like I said, there's there's a ton of white choices. <laughs> I, If it were my list, the Pretty Fly for a White Guy would have been right up there. I know it's a ridiculous song and dated, but it just, The Offspring has a way of making me laugh that not that many bands have. 
And so <laughs> it still to this day gives me a little chuckle. Just like the song you put on our Spotify playlist, right? That's right. I did put a good one with a quality music video, some ridiculous sounds in it. The Offspring are good for some stuff. Yes. But anyway, back to your albums. <laughs> so albums, we have The White Stripes with White Blood Cells. Mm, he doubled down on that. <laughs> Band and the album with the same word. Okay. And then, obviously, uh, White Pony by the Deftones. Obviously. Which, as we record right now, is being celebrated around the world. That The Deftones themselves, I believe, are hosting a listening party right now for that album. The Deftones themselves should also play our podcast right after that listening party. I really hope that one of them does. That'd be sweet. I tagged Chino, but you know he's a busy guy. He had a birthday. He's, he's got a, an album anniversary. Eh, you never know. But to you know anyone listening, if you haven't, go back and listen to last week's episode, the Itch and Pony Show, where we celebrated 20 years of White Pony and a totally deserving album to be on a best albums with the word white in the title. Yes. And then I'd be remiss if I didn't put the Beatles, the White Album on the list. You would be remiss. (laughs) I'm actually quite surprised, Casey, with you being a classic rock guy, that you did not include White Snake's White Snake. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they they are on my band list with the name White in the title. Oh, you've got, yeah, you've got so many choices here. I forgot. I only got, you know, so many bands and so many albums, but. Yeah. Can I note that, that again, Weezer has a white album as well? Yes. (laughs) No way. Who would have guessed? It's better than the red album. And guess what? (laughs) As we go on to the next color, the Weezer album gets even better than that. And so, <laughs> so is that how we plan these colors out by progression of Weezer albums? Yes. The whole red, white, and blue scenario is just going from weakest to best Weezer albums. <laughs> All right. Didn't mean to skip ahead, but I thought I'd just go ahead and surf that bubble right now. <laughs> All right. So bands, I have White Snake. Also, being 4th of July coming up, this is a PSA for Be Safe with Fireworks. We have Great White. Yes, please. Be safe. And then, finally, White Zombie. All right. Yes. I had to figure you'd go with that as a number one, especially given the nature of our show. Yes. So that's my my list of songs with white in them and bands and all that good stuff. (laughs) Very nice. Well... I'll go over to my list, but there's literally two albums, and I already mentioned it, Between the Devil and the Deep Blue Sea by Blackstone Cherry. And the only other one that I could find was Finger Eleven with Grayest of Blue Skies, Mm. which is a decent album, but not necessarily my favorite of Finger Eleven albums, to be honest. And then in terms of bands, there's only four bands that I could find. Wait, wait, I I got another album for you. Okay. I'm surprised this one didn't show up in your search. Alice in Chains. Black Gives Way to Blue. Wow. Actually, that's a good call. That's a darn good album. <laughs> but yeah, so I don't I don't really have many albums to choose from to make my top three, I guess, albums that I could find with blue in it. And there's only about four bands that I could find with the blue name in it. As for albums, I'd say probably, man, I don't know. This is actually tough now with, with the one that you just added. <laughs> um, so I'd probably start off with... Uh, I don't know if Grace the Blue Skies would make my list, to be honest. Or no, actually, that would be, that would be my, my number three. And then Between the Devil and the Deep Blue Sea would be my number two. And then Black Gives Way to Blue by Alice in Chains would be my number one. That would be a great album. Yeah, I think that, that that's a pretty 
clear winner most by most counts. I'd still go Weezer for my personal taste just because the blue album was a super big deal to me. But I understand people who would choose Alice in Chains over it. That's fine, too. <laughs> I'm just not a Weezer fan. I mean, I will agree that the blue album. But see, is it technically called the blue album or is it self-titled? And they just called it the blue album because they colored it blue and they wanted to be like Metallica. It, it technically is just called Weezer, but they're it's if, if anybody ever says the blue album, everybody knows what they're talking about. It's it's always been nicknamed that. I guess that's why we also know what the brown album is, the black album is. <laughs> Primus actually did call that one the brown album. That was the official title of it, which I thought was funny. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure it was in response to the black album, which was Metallica's self-titled that just happened to be nicknamed the black album. And so, of course, Primus would be like, you know what color needs an album? Brown. <laughs> <laughs> brown is is the primaciest color. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, for bands, this is one reason why I wanted to keep the, well, I guess the bands would have been in the middle regardless, but um, there's only like four bands and I'm not a huge fan of two of them. Like the Moody Blues are okay. They have their couple of big hits, but I was never really a fan of them. Blues Traveler is another one that like, besides the couple songs that they had, I'm not a giant fan of them either. Blues Traveler was my was my number two if I if I were putting together blue for that same reason. Like I only know a few songs, but sometimes you just don't have that many options. Seeing them live unexpectedly on my 30th birthday party was was pretty awesome. I'm not going to lie. We were at Ballpark Village and then we just walked outside and we're like, hey, this band sounds a lot like Blues Traveler. Oh, hey, <laughs> look at that's it's Blues John Traveler. Popper. <laughs> it's Blues Traveler. <laughs> that's literally how it went. I'd have to imagine they were actually pretty good live. They were. Yeah, They're they were fantastic musicians. Whatever you feel about their 90s hits. Yeah, and I'd I'd say that number two would be Blue October. I, you know, I like a couple of their songs. They have some decent songs here and there. My favorite blue band, though, would definitely be Blue Oyster Cult. Seeing them live was just awesome. Seeing them at Soldier Memorial Park, and they played like during the day. It was the Rib America Festival, which we... I miss so much. We, we used to go there every year, watch free concerts and leave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Blue Oyster Cult was a band that we got to see and, and they were they were so good live. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you said that one. I would have had to figure that that would be the kind of undisputed number one blue band. Yeah. And there's yeah. there's not too many other ones that you missed other than Deep Blue Something. Deep Blue Something. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'll take that. That's fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't have those on my list. <laughs> Best one hit wonder blue band. Yeah. Now, I wanted to end with songs because I don't know about you guys, but like I had more blue songs than than I actually figured there would be, to be honest. So a couple of honorable mentions, just because I'm a huge blues fan. I love hockey, and this season's just been one of the hardest things to to not be able to defend our Stanley Cup. I want to mention that Bleed Blue by Brooke Royal is, it wouldn't be on my top three, but I, I do love that song. I have very um, good ties to that song because it is about blues, and it's awesome. <laughs> That's very fair. And then I've narrowed it down to four, but I really couldn't, I don't know if I could, tell you beyond these four like and even putting them in order is going to be tough for me but if i'd have to put them in some kind of an order i'd say number four and i know you guys are two in top three but like these four are just really really good and i i don't know if i could narrow it down 
for Blue Collar Man by Styx. Just an absolutely great song. Not only does it, it's about the Blue Collar Man, but it's it's just one of their rockier songs other than Renegade. Yeah. And I was, a, I'm still a huge Styx fan. Some people might not know that. <laughs> Number three, I'd probably say Blue Monday by Orgy. Yep. It was a fantastic cover, and uh, that's the way I kind of got into that band, and I actually love that band uh, more than than most people. This is now two weeks in a row that that band has been mentioned as well. We mentioned Orgy? I did. Last week, they were part of the uh, White Pony Haunted House story. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and so, moving on. Number two, I'd probably have to go with A Perfect Circles Blue. Oh, good choice. It's just a really, yeah, exactly. That whole album was amazing. The 13th step was life changing for me. Um, but number one, and I'm pretty sure Casey is going to be on board with me here. Every time I hear the, the, the word blue, the, my immediate first thought was blue on black by Kenny Wayne Shepherd. Yeah. There's one other one that I would put in there, but yes, that is definitely behind blue eyes. I'm assuming. Yes. Yeah. Behind Blue Eyes was the one I, I actually thought you were going to say. <laughs> or Sweet Judy Blue Eyes, too. There's another one. There you go. See, I, I kind of knew that you would be on the classic rock side of it. Yes. Man, we've got some good ones in there. And, and even some ones that we've talked about in previous episodes. Like last week, we were doing, doing covers and we mentioned Bullet the Blue Sky. Blue on Black was covered by Five Finger Death Punch. There you go. Behind Blue Eyes was covered by Limp Biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> Discovered. Discover. <laughs> oh yeah, they put their own stupid name in somebody else's song. Oh, it was terrible. L I M P. Yeah. Nope. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Just cut, that out. Cut, cut it out. Cut it out. <laughs> then at that point, I have to mention that Weezer covered the Electric Light Orchestra's "Mr. Blue Sky." There you go. That's another one we can throw in there. <laughs> and I got a couple more on this. Actually, there's one that I'm a little surprised you didn't do. And there's one that's just all me. You did Deep Blue something, so it got me thinking about one-hit wonders. <laughs> I'm going to go with Dishwalla, Counting Blue Cars. Yeah. One and done Dishwalla. <laughs> but here's one for Primus. You know you know, Primus has a blue, has a song with the word blue in it that we, we mentioned on the Primus episode as mm-hmm. well. Yep. Those damn blue-collar tweakers. Yep. Yeah, I agree. You know, that would have been like number five or so or number six on my list, but the real reason like that, that song is okay. It's a, it's a decent song, but my personal meaning behind that with us being like that being the intro to the itch, the song means more to me than it probably should. I like it more than I probably should is what I should say. I, I got one. I was going to try to sneak in there because I, I was proud of myself for thinking of this. It's the, the lead track on an album called bleach that introduced most people to Nirvana and it's called blue B L E W. I figure homonyms count. At least I'm going to count it. <laughs> so, and it's a fun song, which as even as a Nirvana fan, I can't say that I really connected that much with all of Bleach, which Bleach, by the way, turns things white. And so there's that too. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All ties around. It's just too much. It's all, everything ties back in. Oh, man. Good job, guys. You, you completed this homework assignment. <laughs> And again, created an entire gigantic playlist that I'm going to have to deal with later. (laughs) This one, honestly, it may end up being its own playlist. I can't, I'm not sure. (laughs) We may just make a red, white, and blue playlist. 
we used to play games. I mean, we still do all when we have the opportunity. You know, that's one thing that we've always done with our show in the 16 years we've been doing it. Uh, we've had fun with playlists and just being really goofy about um, the songs that we play or tying them together in some kind of a goofy way that people might not really realize what's going on. But we do. And we just find it hilarious. Yeah, we po- we pop ourselves with it. Music is good for bringing people together. And so is humor. So when you can combine those two things and i i think you got a winner <laughs> we're happy to do that i i can still remember some of the halloween shows and just some of the goofy things do you remember the time we played bjork on halloween yeah yes i also remember <laughs> the time we played the teenage mutant ninja turtles theme song the <laughs> carmen san diego theme song the ghostbusters theme song oh yeah yes this is my childhood so hard right now <laughs> <laughs> can i just have a side note to say that to this day, I don't understand why Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego hasn't been brought back as a kid's game show like it originally was. Right. I feel like it's just the world is is just ripe for opportunities for a geography game show that was that fun. But instead, we get a cartoon where Carmen is an anti-hero. Yes. <sighs> Come on, guys. You can do better. <laughs> With the power of the Internet, we can make it happen. Let's start a petition. Petitions right. get things done. Well, they didn't bring Firefly back, so I don't know if they're going <laughs> to make this happen. <laughs> they can't solve everything in the world. They can't solve it. It's true. Oh, man. So I just get to sit here with, with Rockapella. I was going to say, if for, if for no other reason that Rockapella gets to sing all of the, the crime uh, <laughs> people. <laughs> Double trouble. <laughs> that show is awesome. <laughs> That's a completely side note, but it's just I can't not talk about Carmen Sandiego when the the opportunity comes up. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so I guess that'll do it for our red, white and blue, which leaves a little bit of time left for the Foo part of this show. The the Foo Fighters debut album, which is to say Dave Grohl's solo debut album, um, was released on July 4th, 1995, which we were discussing off air. It's not necessarily that this album in and of itself is particularly amazing, although I I do quite enjoy it myself. But what it meant for music in terms of both, you know, Dave Grohl himself coming out of the demise of Nirvana and all the tragedy that's been spoken of and written about and documentary for years and years. And then also, you know, that transition into what would become the Foo Fighters that we know with the color and the shape coming out a couple years later and them essentially becoming one of the biggest rock bands in the entire world. It just makes me feel like this is an important album and one that is worth uh, noting on its anniversary, especially given the patriotic nature here. It plays in kind of nicely. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I do like a lot of the songs on this album. Obviously, it's their debut, and, and a lot of people always think that the first album for most bands is their best album, but I don't necessarily think that's the case with this one. But, you know, obviously it starts off strong. This is a call, which was a single. I'll stick around, which was probably my favorite single off this album. And Big Me. We were talking earlier about music videos. And I think that I think that's one thing that set this band apart from Nirvana right off the bat. Yep. Was they pretty much went out there and they did the music video for Big Me. And it was it was a huge success because, for one, it was ripping off of the powerful Mentos commercials at the time. Everybody knew what the Mentos <laughs> commercial was. And they just went around like, sharing their futos and it just (laughs) it was so freaking hilarious it left you knew exactly who they were right off the bat because of that music video and i think that's one thing 
that while this album didn't necessarily propel them into stardom, I think that it got them well known. It's like, oh, okay, hey, look at that guy that was in Nirvana. He's kind of doing his own thing now. Because if I remember correctly, this album came out like right after Cobain died. Is that right? He recorded it about six months after Kurt died um, using a number of demos and things that he had recorded earlier. Actually, Casey can speak to that part. Yeah, I was going to say, actually, he recorded a good portion of the album. He worked on a lot of the the songs in the last Nirvana sessions because, uh, you know, Cobain kind of went AWOL for a couple of days. He was becoming really unreliable at that point. Yeah, yeah. but that spawned the beginnings of the Foo Fighters. Yeah, and I just think it's fascinating. Um, for one, you just... Nirvana was a band that, although Cobain was the most famous, there were three distinct personalities that blended really well in a band. And Grohl at that time was actually kind of the the quiet, shy one, comparatively speaking. I mean, Kurt came across as shy, but he, he had that charisma and whatnot. Um, and then Chris was just kind of this goofball. But uh, what I'm trying to get to here is that it feels almost like surprising. I'm sure it did at that time where you're like, oh, the drummer from Nirvana apparently can do everything yeah. and nobody knew because to that point he had been the drummer from Nirvana. And here we had a guy who now he didn't really want a drum. After, after the end of Nirvana, he was offered drumming gigs by Danzig and later by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, which was some pretty high profile gigs in their own right. And he said he just didn't want to do that because every time he sat behind a drum kit, it just reminded him of Nirvana. And so you know, what better way as a musician to, to handle that than to be like, I'm going to pick up the guitar. I'm going to pick up the microphone. Yeah, he's going to do some drums too, but I'm going to be a full band and just show the world what I can do. And then it working. And he wasn't even trying to make it big. If you, if you read into the history of it, he made a couple hundred copies of, of this album, called it Foo Fighters. So it would sound like a band. And so it would throw people off the scent that it was even just him and just kind of gave those out to like friends and stuff. And somehow it still got around to big record labels, and even though he wasn't, you know, trying to make a huge deal out of it, he he says it was sort of just, I don't know, it was almost just an exercise for him, and it became a thing. And you know, after that ended, he recruited Pat Smear and uh, the rhythm section from Sunny Day Real Estate, and then the Foo Fighters were born. <laughs> yeah, which is funny because, like you said, he didn't want to play drums, and so he did recruit uh, William Goldsmith. But I don't think that the band really took off until after. And that's why I said it before, you know, even after the color and the shape, the color and shape was actually recorded by Grohl himself. But, you know, I don't think they really took off as a band until Taylor Hawkins joined. Well, it was interesting to me that you mentioned earlier um, that a lot of people think a band's first album is their best. And I would throw out there for this particular one that color and the shape is the Foo Fighters as a band as their first album. Yeah, because that was before that. It really was just Dave not goofing around entirely, but just doing a, his own little thing. And so the, the, you know, he goes to record the color of the shape. He's got some bandmates now and there's, I mean, he's still obviously the leader, but there's some other influences in there. And then you have what I would consider a masterpiece of a modern rock album. Still one of my favorites. One of the, the few that makes it into my vinyl collection <laughs> and it's just good stuff. Here's what I, what's something that I like about it, because I was listening to this album earlier through today. And what's something that I just find charming about it is that musically, there's a lot of it that really does sound like a natural progression out of Nirvana's sound. Like you mentioned, I'll Stick Around being probably your favorite. I think I'll Stick Around almost entirely sounds like a Nirvana song. And there's a few others that really hit it as well, especially with the loud soft. But the difference being that, uh, the difference being that Grohl 
seemed to just approach songwriting with a little bit more whimsy. And you definitely saw that when you started seeing the music videos. So it was kind of like the music was related, but the tone, the tone of his singing and, and of his lyrics and definitely of the videos was a little more lighthearted. It was just a different vibe than what Kurt Cobain produced in his music. Yeah, it seems like he was just experimenting in a lot of different ways. Yeah. So one interesting thing I just have to say, I don't know if you guys know this, but the Foo Fighters actually performed a secret show as the holy shits in an abandoned train tunnel. <laughs> I don't know which part of that story is the most interesting part. You had me at the name and then you're like in an abandoned train tunnel. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, hold on now. <laughs> How is this happening? It is true. That would be fantastic. <laughs> well, if you ever see that band name on a marquee, then uh, you know, you should probably get over there. The holy shits. Yeah. In UK. Or if you see it, that band name on uh, a train tunnel. Yeah, you just uh, start <laughs> playing around in abandoned areas and see what band yeah, pops right. up. There you go. Explore the abandoned <laughs> areas of London and you might run into the Foo Fighters. <laughs> Maybe a lot of the abandoned malls will just have lots of bands now. That's yeah. not yeah. a bad place to play. <laughs> Here's a little trivia one for you guys. This Foo Fighters debut album was nominated for the Best Alternative Music Album in the Grammys in 1996. And... Unless you already know. If you do know, it's fine, too. Can you guess what album it lost to? In 1996? The 96 Grammys uh, alternative music albums. I don't know without looking it up. Smashing Pumpkins, Melly Callie, and the Infinite Sadness? No, but you're you're in the right track. It's just it hits a little more close to home for, for Dave Grohl <laughs> than that. Oh, Nirvana. Um, MTV Unplugged. Unplugged, yeah. That's yep. what I was about to <laughs> Yep, those were those two albums that he was both on went head to head with each other, and and Nirvana's Unplugged rightfully won. We've mentioned again before that is a masterpiece of an album. So he wins either way. He wins either way. His odds were greatly increased that year. Twice the chance. His last outing with his previous band and his first outing with his new band, and so ninety four wasn't a good year per se. Ninety six not so bad at that point. I've wondered, I'd be interested to hear what you guys think about this. We'll get, we can get to wrapping it up here in just a second, but I want to, I'm kind of curious as to your thoughts. Do you guys think that the Foo Fighters would exist if Kurt Cobain hadn't ended his own life? Probably. It just seemed like he kind of wanted to move in that direction anyway. Yeah. Well, it's like you guys said, if he, if he was recording songs in between Cobain episodes, Mm-hmm. You know, then then he was obviously trying to express his own artistic outlet. Yes. And so, yeah, I think that it would have happened regardless of Nirvana. I, I think, honestly, I think it kind of helped, you know, and I hate to say this because everybody wants, you know, to make Cobain out to be, you know, this, this martyr in a sense. But like, I think that if it wasn't for him passing away, I think that it would have vilified Dave Grohl, because I think he would have been the one essentially breaking up Nirvana. Yeah, that's a good point. You think that that the day was coming not too in the not too far a future where Grohl decided to break out on his own anyway? Yeah, look at I mean, just look at all the other bands that had the same type of issues where their lead singer was out of control due to drugs or whatever might have been the case. You know, it didn't go well. The the other band members were looking for ways out, and in those certain situations, the, almost the other band members were vilified because it was them trying to get away from basically the lead singer who everybody deems like the artistic creator of the band. Yeah. I think those kind of rising issues 
you know, e- even if Kurt had survived, those rising issues combined with Grohl seeming to start to be finding his own voice as an artist, I think you're probably right. I also think it's a decent possibility that it wouldn't have been that long before Kurt decided he pretty much wanted to go solo himself anyway. I think... Yeah, or he possibly just would have quit. He kept saying he didn't like the fame. He didn't want the fame. So, you know, there's a possibility he could have just given it up and and just moved away, gone to a mountain. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you guys. I think think in an alternate timeline, Kurt Cobain is still alive and he's moved on to to solo stuff and probably a number of other things and probably a number of different genres. And Grohl's gone off on his own. And some version of the Foo Fighters still exists in that world, too. It's just that the events playing out as they did probably just sped up the process a little bit. Here's, here's one more question for you guys. And then we'll, and then we'll call it a day because I would posit this where this is a 4th of July episode. This album came out on the 4th of July. Are the Foo Fighters America's rock band at this point? And you know, it's really funny because it's something that we have talked earlier in the beginning of the show that I don't necessarily like to subcategorize bands. You know, I like to just call rock music, rock music. However, I don't know, like for me, I would have to say no, because when I think of like one of the biggest bands to come out of America, rock music, well, at least modern rock, um, I would have to say Metallica. Mm. That's just me. You know, Foo Fighters is great. And but that's again, that (laughs) as much as I hate subcategorizing, I don't really think you can put Metallica and Foo Fighters in the same. I mean, yes, they're both rock bands, but like, you know, one's kind of clearly alternative. The other one's metal or hard rock or heavy, you know. So yeah, while I think that, yes, Foo Fighters are probably one of the biggest bands on earth, and I think that you could go anywhere in the world and say their name and people would recognize it, I'm not sure I would call them the American band. Yeah, I don't I don't really know who to put on that list necessarily, but <laughs> it's just kind of a hard thing to kind of place as far as, you know, this is America, Foo Fighters. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think if I, if I could pick a rock band to represent America to the world. I think they might be it. Put put it this way. Can you think of somebody else if you were to send like a literal like ambassador to another country to represent you and and make your country look good? Can you think of anybody else in rock that you think you'd be more confident could do a good job than Dave Grohl? Because I would have all the confidence in the world that he could go over to North Korea and make peace. <laughs> <laughs> I know. A lot of people would have to disagree with you and say the boss, Mr. Bruce Springsteen. Oh, okay. Okay. But that's not necessarily my opinion. I just think that a lot of people would say that. That's a notable uh, addition to the conversation. <laughs> I'm much more familiar with, with Dave Grohl than I am with Bruce Springsteen on a, as a, my personal knowledge of their music. And so, but I know Springsteen well enough to get why others would also, might also suggest such a thing. You know, either way, happy birthday to the Foo Fighters. We're glad you're here, and we're particularly glad for the color and the shape, or at least I am. <laughs> and happy birthday to America. We're half glad you're here. You know. <laughs> it, it's with not a full salute, yes. a little bit of a resistance salute that we, we you know, applaud you. We could do better, but hey, we're, you know. We're working on it. Like 25% of their way there. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the things about this country that I will say is that we that we do well is that we do adapt and we do learn and, and hopefully learn from our mistakes and build a better tomorrow. Maybe by next year we'll have finding ourselves in a better country and we'll have found some better songs. <laughs> <laughs> or 
better songs will have been made if they're more inspired by a better country. There we go. All right, so that'll do it for the Itch's 4th of July episode of Rock Matters. And uh, we hope that you and yours remain safe, as Casey mentioned. Be careful with those fireworks and just general life out there. In the meantime, throughout this week, we love having your attention. I know there's a million things clamoring for it, but if you want to give any more to us, we will have a Spotify playlist. If you look it up, it's the itch, Rock Matters, and it will feature a ton of the songs that we talked about here. And we are we are proud of those songs. You can check us out on Facebook.com slash itchrocks, I-T-C-H-R-O-C-K-S. Also on Twitter. And you can reach us at itchrocks at Gmail as well. If you would like to give us five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we would appreciate that. The more five-star reviews, the more listens that we get in front of people. <laughs> Got to get this thing in front of some ears. <laughs> yeah, I want to be Joe Rogan popular. Yes. You have, you have <laughs> very, very high hopes. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you about that one, but we got a lot of work to do. <laughs> so you've been listening to The Itch, Rock Matters. My name is Dan. I'm Casey. And I'm Aaron. And until next time, rock on. L-I-M-P. L-I-M-P.